Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. On this program, we are featuring Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, plus Tom Howard, George Shelton, Harry McNaughton, and Lulu McConnell, the cast from It Pays to Be Ignorant. What more can I say than here's one of the most requested programs, It Pays to Be Ignorant. Folks, another week and another session of that screwy quiz program that reminds you of a gymnasium because it's full of dumbbells. We have a board of experts who are so dumb they think a timetable has four legs. First, we have the celebrated author, Mr. Harry McNaughton, who has just written a book entitled The Life of a Plumber or 20,000 Leaks Under the Sink. But here he is, Mr. Harry McNaughton. Thank you. I, I have a poem, Mr. Howard. You'll never fail. Yes, a poem. There was a young lady from Ginter who married a man in the winter. The man's name was Wood, and now, as they should, the Woods have a cute little splinter. <laughs> Terrific, that is. Yeah, he's a chip off the old block. All right. Next, next, we have a woman who is so old, she was refused a guest spot on that radio program, Life Begins at 80. A woman, a woman who has nice color in her face, if you like green, here she is, Miss Lulu McConnell. Well, well, Mr. Howard, me and my old man had another fight last night. You two should charge admission. What is it this time? <laughs> Well, he comes over flowering his head off for his supper. Well, what did you give him? Oh, I gave him some pudding, then some ice cream, then tapioca pudding, yeah. and then some jello. What's the idea? I'm deserting him. You're deserting <laughs> him. <laughs> I wish you'd desert me. Next, you have a man who goes to the post office every day to admire his fixture hanging on the wall. A man who has the courage of nine men, all of them cowards. Here he is, Mr. George Shelton. Well, you know, Miss Howard, I'm not feeling so well lately. Well, I'm glad to hear that. What's the trouble? Well, when I go to bed every night, all I see is white and black spots in front of my eyes. You ever see a doctor? No, only white and black spots. All right. <laughs> well, those are the experts, folks, so if you feel like taking a nap for the next half hour, go right ahead. Here is the first question for the evening. Let's see if we can get an answer. In what town in Pennsylvania did Lincoln make his Gettysburg address? Mr. Howard, would you please repeat the question? <laughs> what town in Pennsylvania did Lincoln make his Gettysburg address? I say, Mr. Howard, this is a history question, isn't it? That much you have right. I love history questions. They're so historic. I see. <laughs> Do you know Lincoln's Gettysburg address, Miss McConnell? No, I don't know anybody in Gettysburg. <laughs> Never been there. Miss nope. McConnell, do you have to show your ignorance so early? You mean that thing's showing again? Uh, never mind. <laughs> do you know Lincoln's Gettysburg address, Mr. Shelton? No, I don't even know Lincoln. I see. <laughs> How about you? Do you know Lincoln's Gettysburg address, Mr. Mac uh, McNaughton? I'm sorry I don't, Mr. Howard. I know a swell place on 52nd Street. Oh, please. You Orchestra. mean to sit there and tell me you've never heard of Abraham Lincoln, one of our greatest presidents? 
Oh, sure, I heard of him, but I didn't know him. You didn't know him? I didn't even know he lived in Gettysburg. He didn't live in Gettysburg. He lived in Washington. And how, how did he come to have an address in Gettysburg? Mr. Shelton, how can you get so many things wrong in a single day? I get up early. All right. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Hart, tell me, uh, wasn't Mr. Lincoln the man who said uh, you can fool some of the people some of the time and some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool some of the people some of the time? <laughs> Mr. McNaughton, you're close. He did say that, but in a different way. Oh, I see. Uh, uh, do you know what he said, Miss McConnell? What who said? Mr. Lincoln. No, I never listened to his program. Miss <laughs> <laughs> McConnell. Some people grow up and spread good cheer. Yeah. You just grew up and spread. <laughs> the question is, what town in Pennsylvania did Lincoln make his Gettysburg address? Mr. Hart, where is Gettysburg? Pennsylvania. It's irrelevant. Irrelevant Pennsylvania? Never heard of it. Oh, well, you cut it out, please. Is it a large city, Mr. Howard? Well, I wouldn't want to say it was a large city. No, no. Well, Why wouldn't you want to say it's a large city? Well, it's... Come on, speak up, man. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Certainly <laughs> not. You're, you're among friends. I mean, you don't have to hide anything, Mr. Howard. Certainly not, no. old boy. I assure you, Mr. Howard, we'll keep it sub rosa. We'll treat it with the utmost confidence. What is this? This is... T Look! Abraham Lincoln, as I said before, was one of our greatest presidents. Say, was he the president that threw a dollar across the river? No. You're thinking of George Washington. No. Well, I know one thing. He couldn't throw a dollar across the river now. Why not? A dollar wouldn't go that far today. I <laughs> do you know? Do you know what I paid for a pound of coffee today? I paid 90 cents. 90 cents for a pound of coffee. Drip. You certainly are. Uh, <laughs> Look, the question is about American history. You learned that at school. You know, Mr. Howard, in school, American history was my favorite subject. It was? Mm -hmm. All right, can you tell me the date Abraham Lincoln was born? Well, certainly. He was born February 12th, 1809. Very good. What happened February the 12th, 1815? Oh, Lincoln was six years old. Oh, swell, swell. <laughs> Did you know when I was 16 years old, I could name all the presidents? When you were 16 years old, we only had two. <laughs> Look. Please. Abraham Lincoln wrote... Abraham Lincoln... Abraham Lincoln wrote his Gettysburg Address. He wrote his Gettysburg Address while traveling from Washington to Gettysburg on the back of an envelope. My word, what an odd way to travel. <laughs> On the back of an envelope? I mean... Thomas, please, never mind. Like Napoleon, I've met my Waterloo. So let's hear a playoff, will you? Get rid of the whole question. Now, folks, along about this time, we invite a member from our studio audience to sort of help us out with the show. Who have we this evening, Mr. Stark? Well, Mr. Howard, we have a gentleman by the name of Mr. Oswald Carlos. And here he is indeed. Well, good evening, Mr. Carlos. How are you this evening? Oh, fairly well for an old chap. Well, I'm very glad to hear that. Uh, where are you from, would you care to tell us? Sterling, New Jersey. Sterling, New Jersey. Well, Sterling, New Jersey? I see. Well, grease my mattress and wake me up oily. I see. <laughs> I, I used to work in that town. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was a traffic cop in a sweater factory. You were, you were a traffic cop in a sweater factory? I had charge of the pullovers. Oh, I God. see. <laughs> All right. 
might warn you, Mr. Carlos, is that right, Carlos? Yes, sir. Uh, I might warn you, pay no attention to what you hear coming from behind you there, because... Well, what's your first name, honey? What is your first name? Uh, Oswald. 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 Fancy that. Yeah. Well, isn't he a charming gentleman? Yes. Oh, he, oh he, he reminds me of my first husband. He does. Yeah, he's a lovely. He's a... He's a <laughs> oh, if you were very... <laughs> <laughs> well, I knew you could just call me... Diesel engine. Call you what? Diesel engine. I see. <laughs> I got lots of pull. Yeah. <laughs> Got lots of drag, too. Sit down. Sit down, please. You're rocking the theater here. Before you go, uh, Mr. Costner, uh, uh, would you reach into the cap there that Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Sark is holding and pick out a question for us, please? Would you read the question if you don't mind? I'd be glad to. Just take your time and read it into our microphone. What college has the stadium called the Yale Bowl? Thank you a lot. What college has the stadium called the Yale Bowl? Mr. Howard, tell me, what's the name of the college? I'm asking you that. I know, but I asked you first. <laughs> Mr. McNaughton, why don't you take your head out and have it recapped? I tried to, old boy, but they told me the side walls were no good. I see. <laughs> what, what college has the stadium called the Yale Bowl? Would you know, Mr. Sheldon? No, I'm afraid not. You see, I don't bowl much. Well, you have the head for it. Look, the question, the question's about colleges. Oh, colleges. You know, I was in Harvard. You were? Yes, I was in chemistry. You were. Too bad they ever let you out of the bottle. What, <laughs> what college has a stadium called the Yale Bowl? They play football there. Oh, I just love to go to football games. Oh, really, Miss McConnell? Do you like the game? No. I just go to see if the players will make a pass at me. <laughs> Yeah. Please, <laughs> not something, Mr. Sheldon. Isn't this terrible? I know it was you. We'll have to put some ashes there. Let's get on with the question, please. It's about football. Football. Well, I was a girl. I played on the girls' football team. You played on the girls' football team. Yeah, I was, I was a fullback. You were a fullback. Well, to me, you're a drawback. Now let's get on. You know, I, I tried to play football once, but I found out that I had to be a contortionist. You had to be a contortionist to play football. I had to be able to run around my own end. Uh. <laughs> Mister. Mr. McNaughton, remind me to shave you some morning when I'm nervous. Yes. Have any of you ever heard of Yale College? I've heard of William and Mary. Oh, I knew William before he met Mary. Ah, oh, please. <laughs> well, yes, stop it and try and answer the question. Oh, I say, talking about colleges, you know, I spent the best years of my life up at Vassar. I... That's there is a girls' college. Ah, the best years of my life. All right. You know, I knew a girl went to Vassar. Yes. Her name was Lena. Lena? Oh, I haven't seen her for years. Yeah. Boy, how I miss my Vaselina. I... <laughs> what became of her? Huh? I said, what became of her? Oh, she slipped through my fingers. <laughs> Don't worry, folks. Groucho Marx will be back in a few weeks. Let's get on here. Well, my old man used to go to college. 
He wore a toothbrush as a fraternity pin. He wore a toothbrush as a fraternity pin? Yeah, he went to Colgate. <laughs> I'm warning you, Miss McConnell, I can only take so much. Well, take what you can and leave the rest. <laughs> Look, up in New Haven, Connecticut, there's a college that has a football field called the Yale Bowl. Now, what is the name of that college? Did you say New Haven, Mr. Hart? Yes. That's near Hartford, isn't it? Yes, it's near Hartford, not very far from New York, about 75 miles from New York. Now, what's the name of the college? Oh, you New York, New Haven, and Hartford? New York. <laughs> <laughs> what? Please! What are you laughing at? Oh, how he misses his Vaseline. Oh. That's all we can take here. Mr. Stark, step in here and give our nice guest here $24.25 for up in the South. And thank you for being with us. Mr. Carlos, here you are, sir, and the best of luck to you. Well, folks, the clock is sort of against us at this time, so we'll have to call it quits for this week, but we'll be back with you again next week if we're spared. Same time, same station. Try and be with us. Thank you for listening tonight. This is Tom Howard saying good night and good nonsense. It pays to be ignorant, to be dense, to be dumb, to be ignorant. It pays to be ignorant just like me. Each week I earn six dollars. My brain is terribly lax. But when there ain't no income... Then there ain't no income tax. So Charlie you... McCarthy and Edgar Bergen had been favorites of almost everyone for more than 30 years. Here they are trading ad libs on one of their programs in 1945. Uh, Bergen? Yes, Charlie? I, I'd like to talk to you about uh, a small matter. I see. A small matter? Yes. My allowance. Uh, <laughs> I presume you're going to ask for an increase? Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, uh, I've been hoping for some folding coin, you know? Folding coin. I mean that happy cabbage. Happy cabbage, yeah. I know. I think I know what you mean. Uh, green is my favorite color. Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> well, Charlie, before you go any further... I want you to know that money isn't very important. It isn't? No. Why, a million dollars couldn't buy happiness. Uh-huh. No, it couldn't, no. <laughs> but it, it would make a swell down payment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but unfortunately, Charlie, you know your salary is frozen. Yes, that's what I want to talk about. I see. How do I get defrosted? I... <laughs> No. No, no. I'm sorry. <clears throat> well, but Mr. Bergen, come now. Charlie. Oh, don't be a cheapskate, yeah. you penny pincher. Now, wait a minute here. I'm sorry, Charlie, but after all, money doesn't grow on trees. No. Yours did. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You see, Charlie, the government is trying to keep salaries and prices down. Yeah. To prevent inflation. Uh, inflation? Yes. Uh, what, what is that inflation? Well, um, to explain it in simpler terms, I'll give you an illustration. Oh, that's good of you. Yes. Um, 
Suppose I take a balloon. This is just an example. Yes. Suppose I take a balloon and uh, and I fill it with hot air. Uh huh. And you're the guy who can do it too. Yes. <laughs> Let me put it another way. Why don't you throw it out? No. <laughs> Suppose everybody in the country got a raise. Yes. Where would you be? I'm afraid I'll still be getting 75 cents a week. <laughs> no matter what you say, Charlie, too much money often paves the road to unhappiness. Uh-huh. Haven't you heard what happened to King Midas? Uh, King Hoodis? King Midas. <laughs> Have you? No, sir. You haven't. Oh, I, I haven't read a paper today. Oh, you haven't. <laughs> I don't even know what happened to Flat Top. Oh, I know. <laughs> Charlie, the story of King Midas is an old legend from ancient history. Oh, it happened when you were a boy. Well, wave that. <laughs> now, this story has a wonderful moral. I don't like it already. All right. <laughs> Nevertheless, I shall tell it. I was afraid you would, yes. Long, long ago, King Midas lived in a huge castle and ruled over a vast kingdom. And he had a very beautiful daughter. Now it's getting interesting. <laughs> but the king's great fault was that he loved money more than anything else in the world. Uh-huh. He didn't have a single friend. Because you know, Charlie, everybody hates a miser. Oh, I don't know. You're just sensitive. Oh. <laughs> And it is said that King Midas had very long ears. Yeah. Long ears, why, just like a donkey's. He did? Yes. And for this reason, he always wore a hat to hide them. Oh, I see. You have another reason, don't you? <laughs> I presume you're referring to my hair? Or the absence there, all the yeah. <laughs> Well, that is neither here nor there. Well, it certainly ain't up there. All right. <laughs> Nevertheless, one day while King Midas was counting his gold, suddenly a vision appeared before him. Uh, what, what is a vision, Bergen? A vision? Yes. Well, when you see something that isn't there, uh-huh. we call that a vision. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what that's... Well, <laughs> what do you call it if you don't see something that is there? I'll not dignify that with an answer. Mm-hmm. Well, that's as good a way as any to cover up your ignorance. Oh. <laughs> So this spirit said to King Midas, I'll give you one wish, and you can have anything you want in the world. And what do you suppose he asked for? A sea book? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Because he loved money so much, he wished that everything he touched would turn to gold. Uh Uh-huh. Took the words out of my mouth. And the spirit said, your wish is granted. Tomorrow morning, everything you touch will turn to gold. Yeah? Yes. Oh, what a beautiful morning. <laughs> Everything turned to gold. All right. That night, the king went to bed, but he was so excited waiting for morning to come that try as he might, he couldn't get any sleep. No. no. Couldn't sleep a wink. He should have read this story. No. <laughs> I get him in, don't I, those little digs? The next morning, sure enough, his wish had been granted, and everything he touched turned to gold. Sounds like a lot of bullion to me. All right. (laughs) Why? He touched the table, and it turned to gold. Then he touched the rose, and that too turned to gold. And he touched his food, and that turned to gold. The guy's in a rut. Yes. (laughs) If he touched his stomach, uh, would he have a pot of gold? No. (laughs) 
had to do it. I couldn't. Really. <laughs> Never mind that. When the king's beautiful daughter came down to breakfast, as was her custom, she ran up and kissed him. Uh, don't tell me. I know what's going to happen. You do? I don't know how I know, but I know. Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> she, too, turned to gold. Mm -hmm. She stood with her outstretched arms like a golden statue. And the king cried, My child, my child, what am I going to do with you? Well, he could use her for a hat rack. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> the king was miserable, and all day long he cried, If I could only get rid of this terrible curse. So that evening, the spirit took pity on him, and he appeared again. What did the old spook say? Well, I'll tell you. He told the king to get rid, of, to rid himself of this golden touch. He must go down to the river and bathe in the water. Uh-huh. Well, that's the way it goes. Soaked the rich. It's always <laughs> Nevertheless, it cured him of this terrible curse, and he brought back a bucket of water and sprinkled it on his daughter. Instantly, she came back to life, and she said, Oh, father, oh, father, I have had a most horrible dream. I dreamt all the roses had turned to gold. And the king said, My child, my child, it was a horrible dream. A terrible, horrible dream. Uh-huh. <laughs> Back in? Yes, Charlie. You know something? What? You're an awful ham. Is that... <laughs> Now here's a collector's item, a rare recording of John Barrymore, the night he paid a visit to the Charlie McCarthy show. The fella's dying to meet me. <laughs> After all, why should I talk to McCarthy? He's the insidious individual who is most responsible for tearing down the glorious traditions of our theater. Talk to McCarthy. Bah! That's gonna cost him. <laughs> First, it was a rodent by the name of Mickey. And now it's a piece of unfinished lumber by the name of McCarthy. <laughs> bah! Baba! I raised him. Charlie, will you please be respectful? This is John Barrymore. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Barrymore? I'm sorry. Me me meeting you is, is the greatest thrill of my life. It is? Well, maybe I was wrong about you. Yeah, yes, it, it is a thrill. Now I can tell everybody I've met the brother of Lionel Barrymore. <laughs> well, that wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. And here's a thought to remember. Telephones ring around the world, but they ring most in the USA, where the first one was invented in 1876. Today, 3,000 independent phone companies operate in the U.S., employing more than 800,000 men and women in the industry. Another way, free enterprise lets freedom ring. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California. Join me next time for more great shows and personalities. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.